We're going to open tonight with a word of prayer, and we have several special, special things this evening as we get started, a number of different songs that we're going to sing together as a congregation, singing carols together, and then you'll also hear a couple other instrument, an instrumental song and a solo a little later, and so a lot of music this evening. There's also going to be a lot of uh, scripture reading, and you have those there in your order of service that gives all to you, and so if you need one of those, you can slip out and grab one and be able to follow along. We have a number of people that will be reading scripture in just a little while, uh, but just an enjoyable evening, hopefully, to you as we get ready to celebrate the Christmas season tonight, and so we're going to go ahead and begin. Let's pray, and then we'll have a song. Lord, we are grateful to you for the opportunity that we have to be uh, together tonight, um, uh, your people, um, celebrating your birth and your coming by coming to your word, and then also rejoicing and worshiping and, and singing in song and uh, we ask that our hearts would be uplifted that our eyes would be uh, pointed spiritually toward you um, that we would enjoy <clears throat> each other's company and um, singing with others that are redeemed and we, we will praise you for it um, we do pray this evening for those in our church that are <clears throat> hurting tonight and those that have uh, lost loved ones this week and uh, we pray that you would work in their hearts and let them know and uh, give them peace even tonight as we pray as a church for them and lift them up and uh, carry their burdens to you. And we thank you that you are the ultimate comfort and that you are uh, the Prince of Peace. And so we ask that you would teach us and show us that even tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. As you see there tonight in your or service, a number of different themes that are uh, written there. You see them hope and joy and love, peace and adoration. And over the next few minutes tonight, we're going to celebrate finding those things in Christ. Uh, for the last uh, couple weeks, um, we've taken a break from our normal study in Matthew, and we've looked at some words and some themes for the Christmas season. We've called them Words for those that are waiting, words for the waiting, words and themes that Jesus, that God gives us in his word while we wait for him to return again. As we celebrate Christmas, we think very much about the birth of Christ. We think very much about 
His coming and the baby and the events and the elements that surrounded His birth. And that's a wonderful thing to recount and to think about God sending His Son on our behalf and His birth and the fulfillment of all of those promises that God gave to His people throughout the Old Testament and all the prophecy, all the fulfillment of it. And that's a wonderful thing. But that is not enough for the Christian's heart to simply look back at what Jesus did and how He came the first time. Uh, we are called to think about and to wait on Him to come again. Uh, we are in an advent or a waiting of our own, just like God's people were for years before Jesus came, waiting, trusting the promises of God, waiting for Him to come, waiting to see who the Messiah would be. And now we wait as well, and we wait for Jesus' final return in which He will not come to die, but He will come to give eternal life. He will not come as a baby, but He will come as the Savior of the world, risen to reign forever. And so tonight, we're going to look at these themes, and there's three or four guys that are going to help me read some passages of Scripture in a few moments. I'm going to read you a, a quick excerpt before we do, but you see those, and we're going to move through these themes tonight, and with them, for instance, the first one is hope. And you're going to see some verses that are there, some for, from the Old Testament that looked to Jesus in hope in His first coming. Then you may read a verse about the hope that we found in Jesus as He was here, in His birth or in His actual presence. And then with each of these, we'll also read a New Testament passage about how we find this in Him even today. And we will find it in Him for eternity. And then after each of those scripture readings, we will have a song that hopefully points our hearts toward each of these themes tonight. Some of these songs I'm sure you will know. Some of them <coughs> maybe you're a little less familiar with, but hopefully each will be a blessing to us. Now tonight, the main thrust of tonight is going to simply be God's word and God's people singing in response to his word. And that's our prayer this evening. I'm going to read one excerpt and, and open kind of this time in prayer, and then after I do, Chris, Chris Rowski is going to come and be the first to read this section of Scripture. You can try to open and follow along if you like. If not, you can go back and meditate on these uh, later as you have them there for you. I think we've read this a, a few years ago, but it, uh, it stands true, and I think it's helpful for our hearts as we think about the Christmas season. It's a liturgy or a thought, a meditation or a poem about this Christmas season. It says this, as we prepare our house for the coming Christmas season, we would also prepare our hearts for the returning Christ. You came once for your people, O Lord, and you will come again for us. Though there was no room in the inn to receive you upon your first arrival, would you prepare room in our hearts, here and now in our home, Lord Christ? As we decorate and celebrate we do so to mark the memory of your redemptive movement into our broken world. Our glittering ornaments, our Christmas trees and festive carols, our sumptuous feasts. By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in our time and space. That God, on a particular night in a particular place so many years ago, was born to us an infant king, our Prince of Peace. Our wreaths, our ribbons and colored lights, the giving of gifts and parties with friends and families, 
These have never been the ends in themselves. But they are small ways in which we repeat the sounding joy that was first proclaimed by the angels in the skies near Bethlehem. In view of such great tidings of love that is announced to us, to all people, how can we not be moved to praise and celebrate in this Christmas season? And so as we decorate our tree and we feast and laugh and sing together, we rehearse for the coming joy. We are making ready to receive the one who has already with open arms received us. So we would prepare you room here in our hearts and in our home, Lord Christ. We now, at this moment, celebrate the first coming of Emmanuel, even as, long, even as we long for your return. But, O oh, Prince of Peace, our elder brother, return soon. We miss you. Amen. Lord, help us as we seek to honor you tonight. Uh, but may our hearts be filled with each of these. May the hope that was first promised in a Messiah that is found in Jesus and will one day be complete in your coming. May we see that. The joy that you uh, promised would come and that you fulfill in our hearts and that we look toward a completed joy. May you teach us that tonight. As we think of your love that you bestowed on us through Christ, we pray that you would guide and direct in our hearts to sense and feel that love that you have toward us. As we think of the peace that you offer, that the world struggles to even conceive in their minds and that we often wrestle and struggle to sense ourselves. May you teach us that tonight. And then through those things, may we come to adore and praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris will read forth and then we'll sing a song together. On the theme of hope, Isaiah 9 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath a light shined. Haggai 2 6 and 7. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3.1 Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord and the Lord whom ye speak shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And first Peter one three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time.
Let's stand together and sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us. next theme there is joy and we think a lot about joy here at this Christmas season but what is joy actually found in and what does your joy rest in is your joy is our joy dependent on how our day goes or um, what we experience what we have what we gain what we keep and what we lose is our joy based in our relationship with others and uh, how we establish ourselves in this world and in this time, or is our joy truly found in Christ? Jack's going to read for us a couple passages of Scripture that are familiar to us, the shepherds and also the wise men. We're going to hear their reaction and uh, what the angels led them toward, and of course the star for the wise men, but their reaction to the coming Christ. So uh, we'll start with Luke 2, 8 through 10. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Secondly, we'll be in uh, Matthew 2, Matthew 2, 9 through 11. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How great our joy. Let's sing together. While by the sheep we watched that night, glad tidings brought an angel bright. How great our joy, great our joy, 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 joy. Praise me the Lord in heaven on high. Praise me the Lord in heaven on high. There shall be
hard to think about the Christmas season without thinking about love. Without thinking about the love of family and the love of friends, the love uh, that we show toward our children or that they show toward us. We think about the love of uh, family members and parents and uh, grandparents and uh, being with each other and experiencing some of those holiday moments together. And also the craziness that comes with each of those as well. But it must be love that keeps us coming back to do them again. As we think about love at Christmas, the Christmas story and the coming of Christ, of course we can't help but think that it is God's love that sent Jesus to us. I'm going to read three passages to you, three sections of verses. The first is in Isaiah 54. The Lord is speaking to Israel, and He's telling them of their coming judgment, and He's telling them that their circumstances are going to be difficult because of their own sin, because of things that they've brought into their own lives at this point. He's promised His people that there's going to be difficulty, but even in that difficulty, He reminds them that He loves them. He says this in Isaiah 54, verse 10, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. In that good, it says that though mountains would fall, the Lord's love remains. A familiar verse to us that we could probably quote, but even thinking about the continuation of the passage, John chapter 3, verse 16, we know it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's told us that his love compelled him to send his son as a sacrifice for us. But it goes on, it says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, and they are wrought in God. The final section, or the final uh, passage, is in Romans chapter 8. We know the very familiar verse in Romans 8 is verse 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are called according to His purpose. For those that love God and follow Christ, all things work together for good. They work together. What is that good? To become like Christ. But here is the promise and the joy and the hope and the love sort of wrapped into one for those that follow Jesus. Romans 8 verse 35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He's saying even when, our, even when our life is a struggle, but he says, nay, in all these things, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus came as a baby to display God's love to us, and yet he keeps us in salvation. And he tells us that his love never fades and never fails, even though we do. stand together. We're going to sing two more songs back to back. Maybe some that are a little less familiar, but hopefully we'll get through it together. Sing, sing them well. Yeah. 
those words up for for just a second. You're you're fine. I just want you to look at that last verse of that last song that we just sang, and just think about that for a moment. That that song's not probably as familiar to most of us, and I'll tell you why, because it's a British song, and we don't typically embrace things that England wants to make us do. It's just something in us. They sing this particular song throughout chapels and concert halls every Christmas Eve and Christmas year. In fact, if you're to look that song up online, that's probably what you're going to see is people in England singing this song. But they don't get to have all the fun. Look at the last verse. And our eyes at last shall see him. And think about the people that waited for Jesus to come the first time and Simeon and Anna as they stood in the temple and held Jesus and recognized him as the Messiah, the amazement that they must have had, and Joseph and and Mary as she gave birth to Jesus. Can you imagine giving birth and then realizing this is the Son of God, the amazement that they must have had? And yet, our eyes will be even more amazed as he returns one day to gather those that he has redeemed and he leads us together to dwell with him for all eternity. We think about Jesus' love. I want you to notice tonight, the next is peace. And that is ultimately what we find in Jesus' coming. Now, when we think of Christmas and we think of peace, we think of a moment of peace, the baby that was born, the quietness of a moment. In fact, the birth of Jesus was probably quite boisterous. The the animals and the city and the busyness. But the peace that Jesus brings is far deeper than a quiet and silent night but it is a redeemed and heart that is made right with him. Philip's going to read this next set of passages for us. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord sent a word into Jacob and it hath lighted upon Israel and all the people shall know even Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria. And then as Christ came to us, Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the promise of peace continues with Christ in our hearts awaiting his second coming. Colossians 3:15 through 17 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and whatsoever ye do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. 
stand together one more time. Oh, holy night. Sin and 
you see there our final section is adoration. Now, if you notice, it's a little different than the first four sections. Hope is something we find in Jesus, not in ourselves. Joy is something that we find in Jesus. It's not produced by the things around us in life. Love is something that can only be complete and sensed in its best way in God, through Christ, and then displayed toward others. Peace in the soul, deep, real peace uh, that goes deeper than a circumstance is found only in Jesus. But adoration comes from us. That's our response to these four characteristics, to these four gifts that God gives us. You think about sometimes the darkness of life. And we're here, it's wintertime, it's dark earlier outside, it was dark at noon today it felt like you know it's that time of that time of year where it gets a little dim outside and I've talked to some of you about it and you said I feel like it's 11 o'clock at night some of you are coming in tonight feeling like it was a midnight service it's not <laughs> but it's that time of year where things are dark and lights are noticeable can you imagine if Christmas was I would feel bad for people that live like in, in Australia they live in the southern hemisphere and so it's their summertime at Christmas. And so their Christmas lights turn on at like 9.30 at night. How terrible that must be. We get to see Christmas lights early in the evening. But you notice that those lights stand out from the darkness. And in the world, when we struggle and when we have difficulty in our lives, our circumstances may bring a dimness to what we're experiencing in life. But when we look to Christ and find hope, it's a light that he gives us in our soul. Though circumstance may not be perfect, the light of his hope is there. When, my, when I experience loss and grief and pain, I can still find real joy knowing that I have a relationship with God. When I struggle in a relationship or uh, I'm at odds with another or I just sense the strain and the stress of the world, God's love, though mountains move, his love does not. And it's light into a dark moment. His peace is a light to us. But our adoration is not necessarily a light to God to show him the light. Our adoration is a light to the world around us. When we praise and worship God for what we find in him, it displays life and light to all those that see us. I'm going to read two passages to you, and then there's one reading, and then we'll light our candles in just a moment. But we have a command for this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him, speaking of Jesus, a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in the earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's saying this is going to happen one day. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue will confess that he is God. But how sad is it, or how difficult is it in our lives sometimes, that one day everyone will bow and everyone will declare who he is. And yet sometimes we as his children on this earth do neither. We don't daily bow before him and 
submit in obedience to Him. We don't live our lives with a consciousness and presence of His Word and His Spirit. And we don't confess. We don't speak Him into every circumstance and situation in our lives. We don't speak to Him, speak about Him with others. We don't even sometimes, we struggle to talk about the joy and hope and peace and love we find in Christ with our own families. And yet this is how God has called us to be a light to the world. Final passage that I'll read to you tonight is, is from the, the coming of Christ in the Christmas story. He's born, and you have angels, wise men, Mary, Joseph. There's two other people that God placed in his word. I'm sure there were others that experienced the birth of Christ, but there's two that are given to us and their reaction. And I think it's a good, it's almost a, a lesson, if you would, in how we can adore him. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was a just and devout, was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah to come, the same way that we wait for Jesus to return. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents bought, uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, listen to his prayer to the Lord. Lord, now let us thy, thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all thy people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed the child and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. It says that there was another one named Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser, and she was of great age. It's a very delicate way of phrasing that. And she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. Now you can imagine, I mean, think about what this explaining. She was a widow of 84 years. Her life was probably a struggle at times. And yet when she sees the Messiah, she sees Jesus. Notice her response. She had departed not from the temple. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in, Israel, in Jerusalem. Notice their response to finding the Messiah. Uh, Simeon takes Jesus and holds him and blesses the Lord and gives thanks. He turns and he speaks a, a prayer of blessing on others. He lifts up the name and he says, Lord, I'm okay. I'm at peace with you. He declares the peace that he has in his heart from this meeting of the Messiah. And you have Anna who's serving faithfully the Lord for a number of years. And all of a sudden she sees the Messiah after decades. She doesn't say, where have you been? But she speaks with grace and she says, likewise unto the Lord. And she spoke. It says that she gave thanks and she spoke of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. What did they do to declare their adoration of Jesus? They gave thanks. They blessed. They, they expressed their joy that they had in him. 
And ultimately, they spoke that truth then to others. They weren't ashamed of it. They didn't keep it. There was no bitterness in them. Though their lives had been difficult, they found hope and joy and love and peace in Jesus. And they adored Him. It should be our response today as well. Before we light the candles this evening, I'm going to read to you. You have it there. It's on the back of your uh, program tonight. In the inside, I have, there's a, a little poem that I encourage you to read at some point. It comes from the Valley of Vision, Prayers of Protestants of Old. And this is one that kind of goes along with Christmas. And I hope you'll sit down with your family and your wife, your husband, your friend, and read it at some point this week. But on the back, you see there is this song called Brightest and Best. It's a hymn written in the 1800s. And it's written, it's a Christmas hymn. And we put in bold sort of there in the middle. It speaks about him, the Lord coming in the first verse and how the angels, the shepherds experience. The second verse, it's talking about the wise men and what they bring. But I want you to notice in a moment, that middle verse, it says, Hail, it says, Hail blessed morn. See the great mediator down from the regions of glory descend. Shepherds, go worship the babe in a manger. Before guard, the bright angels attend. Say, shall we yield him in costly devotion, fragrance of Edom and offerings divine, gems of the mountain and pearls of the ocean, myrrh from the forest or gold from the mine? No, vainly we offer each ample oblation. Vainly with gifts would his favor secure. Richer by far is the heart's adoration, and dearer to God are the prayers of the poor. Cold on his cradle the dewdrops were shining, low lies his bed with the beasts of the stall. Angels adore him in slumbers reclining, wise men and shepherds before him befall. And then in the prayer it says, Brightest and best of the sons of the morning, dawn on our darkness and lend us thine aid. Star in the east, the horizon adorning, guide us where our infant Redeemer was laid. But notice that middle verse. In vain do we try to give God something He doesn't have. In vain do we try to earn His favor. He already loves us and has given us hope and joy and peace. What does God desire in exchange for that? It's not even an exchange. What does He desire in response to these things? The heart's adoration and the prayers of the poor in spirit. We're going to ask the Lord to help us in, in a moment. Veronica's going to come sing a song for us, What Child Is This, a song you're familiar with. And I'm going to draft a couple voluntolds here in just a minute. If you sat near the front, I'm sorry. But I'm going to ask Josh, because I can't pass up an opportunity to let you all see Josh's great Christmas sweater. <laughs> so let's have uh, Josh and maybe Kevin Hibbert on this side, if you would help us. And then uh, Jack and, and Chris. I already volunteered you for other stuff tonight. But in a second, if you would take uh, these, as Veronica sings, I'm going to ask these guys to take these candles that are in globes and sort of just walk down the aisles and, and light the candle of whoever is there on the edge of the aisle. And then you can kind of push your candle up a little bit and then light each other down the aisle. And while Veronica sings, we'll light our candles. And then we'll come back and we'll sing a final carol together calling us to adore the Lord. Uh, guys, if you would, come and take one of these globes, and then, uh, Veronica, you come and sing for us. As Veronica sings, uh, just there on the side, um, you can pass that light along.
As we finish tonight with one final Christmas carol that we'll sing together, we're going to sing a familiar song to us, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And uh, aren't you glad that our relationship with God is not based on our complete faithfulness, that it is not based in what I can do, but this song calls all that are faithful. But I want you to think about it tonight, not just those that are faithful to the Lord, but those of us that can call the Lord faithful to us. He has been faithful over and over and over again. And those that have experienced the faithfulness of God, what should we do? We should adore Him. And so we're going to sing that this evening. We'll let you stay, remain seated where you are as we sing. And um, 
we'll be dismissed in a few moments, but I want you to sing that out this evening. Oh, come, let us adore him. evening you say amen. amen and it's been a good time to come